Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Hey, this is the first the first Sunday of Advent, and for those of you who maybe have never been with us, or you're, uh, maybe you're new to church, and you're like, what is this? What is Advent? I've never heard that word. Uh, well, this is the way the church just sort of like celebrates Christmas, and the word Advent is, uh, is a word that means coming. So maybe you've heard people say, you know, with the advent of such and such technology. Really what they're getting at is, with the coming of certain technologies, these other things came. So that may be the only way that you've heard that word, other than a church context. And uh, that's really what we're doing in this season. We're, we're preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus, right? So um, that's one sort of like little dust layer of advent. But that's not really uh, the full depth of what it means to... Uh, anticipate the coming of Jesus in an Advent sense. Uh, Advent is, in many ways, it's like, a, it's like a key that turns this other lock, or it's, it's this window that we can see into another room with. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. Um, for the next four weeks, we're going we're gonna to get ready for the coming of Jesus. But how many of you know that Jesus has already been born? Right? Yeah, so, so it's like, wait, we're getting ready for someone who's already been born? You know, there's that sort of sense. Well, this is where the lock turns, or this is where you can sort of look in through the window and catch into another room. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look solely upon the first time that Jesus comes, and we're going to prepare our hearts uh, by looking at the text and reimagining the story and reengaging uh, just the Gospels and some of the Old Testament as well with Jesus' first coming so that we can really prepare our hearts for his second coming. That's really what Advent is. It's, it's this idea that, that Jesus has come, uh, that Jesus is here, and that Jesus is coming again. It's this idea that Jesus was born, uh, Jesus is being born, and Jesus will be born again. It's this idea that he has uh, come into the world, that he is in the world, and that he will be in the world again. And some of you are like, I don't know what that means. Wonderful, right? That's just great. Hang on. Uh, now, the church historically has sort of like broken up the four weeks of Advent into particular themes. And so the first week of Advent is hope, the second week is peace, the third week is joy, and then the final week is love, and then Christmas Eve, that's always adoration, right? So the next four weeks plus Christmas Eve, we're going to just get on these tracks that we always run on. We're going we're to talk about hope today. Uh, we're going to talk about peace next week. The following week we're going to talk about joy then we're going to talk about love, and then we're going to talk about adoration. Is that all right? Good. That's what it means to sort of like enter into this Advent story. All right. Here's what we're going to do this week. We're going to look at a famous piece of Scripture that we've already read in worship this morning, but we're going to read it again because it's sort of our jumping off point. Uh, if some of you are wondering, like, where are we getting these scriptures or why are we choosing these scriptures, uh, you can just go online and you can, you can type in something like this, uh, Advent Scriptures 2019, you know, something like that. 
And what you'll find is that there's, um, there's sort of a liturgical calendar, uh, not just in terms of events, but in terms of which scriptures go with each week. And this year, uh, the main scripture for the week of hope is one from the Old Testament. And it's a couple verses out of Isaiah. It goes like this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hey, can we just go back to that? Look here. Let's just stop here. Can we read this one section together? Can we read that verse there about the government will rest upon his shoulders? Can we read those four lines together? Here we go. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All right, now we can go on. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. That's our text this morning. It's a famous scripture, and it's famous for good reason. But part of what I need you to understand before we sort of dive into the text and the idea of hope this morning is uh, that these were verses, or these were scriptures that were written uh, pointing to the coming of Jesus, and they were written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. So Isaiah was prophet, and he writes this prophecy, this messianic prophecy about Jesus, hundreds of years before Jesus is born. And when they're fulfilled, uh, they're fulfilled in a time of, I guess you could say, national conflict and disappointment, you know, because Jesus was born in the historic land of his people, but the historic land of his people was ruled by other people now. So you can imagine, like, if your ancestral lands or if my ancestral lands were suddenly ruled and run by foreign invaders. And that's what was happening in Jesus' day. So there it is. The land of Israel has now been sort of overtaken by the Romans. And um, there's just this dust layer of disappointment and um, hopelessness that sat on everything, right? And so Isaiah is prophesying into this moment that God would come and that he would be with us. And he's, and he's using all these catchphrases that would have set instantly on anybody's ears who were listening with uh, great intrigue. Things like, you know, he's going to rule from his ancestor David's throne forever. You know, it's like, that, that's like a, that's like, yes, that's like the, in, in the heart of, 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 a, of a Jewish person in that day, that would have been like, yeah, because David was the guy who dunked on everyone, right? You know, and it's like, yes, we're, it's going to be great. And so he's prophesying to this moment when everything was not great, uh, when the prophecies fulfilled they're completely ruled by Rome. And I guess the point of the context of these words and so, and so many others um, is that they're set in a spot of, of, of a lack of freedom uh, and a lack of, uh, a lack of national independence. It's really a moment of a, a certain kind of captivity and difficulty. And, and I'm making this point uh, this morning about these words precisely because this is when hope comes to us. You know, when does hope come to us? It comes to you when you don't have freedom and when you don't have independence and things are not going well. That's when hope comes to you. That's why we celebrate 
the Sunday of Advent hope. Um, here's one of the things I want you to understand about hope. Hope is not a fuzzy feeling when everything is perfect, you know? How many of you, how many of you realize that when everything is perfect, you don't need hope, you know? Uh, hope is not a positive outlook when we are independent and free and rich. Instead, it's the surprise of the kingdom that comes when things are not going great. When it seems like everything is lost or not working, that's precisely when hope sprouts. So I want to put up three things this morning about hope. Three things about hope. It's present in absence. It comes early to the party. And it's most abundant in lack. If you want to know what hope is, this is what hope is. I'll just try to distill it down for you really quickly here. Hope is present in absence. It comes early to the party. And it's most abundant in lack. Hope shows up when uh, the historic ancestral lands of God's people are being run by foreign powers. You know, Hope shows up when the idea of a Messiah had almost evaporated from the imagination. Present in absence comes early to a party, most abundant in lack. I just want to say one thing about comes early to a party. Uh, anybody here ever thrown a party and then you told everybody, you know what, it's going to start at 7. It's going to start at 7. And then you had, you had some people who came 30 minutes early. You know? You know, it's like the bathroom is not yet clean. Uh, the trash is not yet taken out. And none of the candles are lit. And then here comes someone, right? Um, sometimes that's really great. Sometimes it's a bummer, though, right? It's like... Bro, I couldn't have been more explicit. It was 7 o'clock, you know? I've got to, like, change my shirt. What are you doing, you know? Um, but, but sometimes, how many of you know this? How many of you know this? Sometimes it's an amazing thing when a friend comes 30 minutes early, right? Um, I was thinking about it this week. Uh, a, a few months ago, it's been a few months ago, uh, we, we had a get-together, and everyone was going to come at a certain time, and... Uh, and Justin and Kendall came 30 minutes early, right? And you know what they did? <laughs> and you know what they did? Like, Justin took out the trash, and Kendall helped Heather chop the last little bits up, and I was wiping down the wine glasses, and all of a sudden we had two extra helpers that, get, that let us get the whole thing put on the rails and going. You know what that is? That's hope. Hope comes early to the party and, and lets you get things straight. That's what hope does. And that's what these words are to us this morning. Hope doesn't come to us in good moments. It doesn't come to us when everything is perfect. It's actually most abundant in lack. It's present in absence. It comes early to the party, and it gets things going. So what am I trying to say? I'm just telling you this morning that even now, it would be good for everyone in the room to think about their life, like their, their present life, um, especially the parts of your life that feel really empty, you know? Especially the parts of your life that feel... Uh, void, or the parts of your life that don't feel blessed, uh, the parts of your life uh, where you feel lack and weakness, uh, especially the parts of your life that feel dark. Think about those parts. And you might be thinking, well, I don't want to think about that. It's really depressing. I, I'm doing my best to avoid all those thoughts and feelings. I, I get that. I totally get that. But you see, here's the thing about Christian hope. Uh, Christian hope is never avoidance. Uh, Christian hope is never denial, you know? Christian hope is not Israel pretending Rome wasn't there, 
you know? Uh, Christian hope is not pretending like we've got everything. Uh, Christian hope is not pretending like I don't have an addiction and I have a ton of money, you know? Christian hope is not that. Christian hope is never that. It's never avoidance. It's never denial uh, because of this. Because uh, Jesus was born in a manger with animals, you know? Hope, hope is born in a manger with animals. While the rest of the world was being run the way the rest of the world is always being run, hope came born in a manger with a bunch of animals. So here's what I want to tell you. If things are good right now, if things are good right now, great, you know? Like, give somebody a high five. But if things are not good right now, especially in your own life, you need to know that Jesus was born into moments just like that. That's the essence of hope. That Jesus would come not just into the good moments, but he would actually make his, uh, his flesh and blood entrance into the world in the worst moments. One of the things I love about the Christmas story is that when God decided to come, he did not require a palace. And when God decided to come, he did not require fine china or, or a dignified welcome. And, and part of what that means for everybody in the room this morning is, uh, if, you're, if you're hurting, you can still have hope. You know, if things are really, really poor, uh, you can still have hope. Uh, if you're beat down and ruled by forces that are out of your control, uh, good news this morning. Uh, Jesus loves to come to those moments. Now I want to dig into the text for just a bit, and I want to talk about expectations. I want to talk about expectations. Uh, meaning, meaning this, like, what are you hoping for? Like, in general, what are you hoping for? Or wh- what, what are we hoping for? Or what, what is our culture hoping for? Those are all different questions. There's some overlap there. Here's one of the things that I've noticed when I begin to think a little bit about what we're hoping for. One of the things I've noticed is that it oftentimes goes like this. I'm hoping for strength and power and riches, and winning, and more. That's what I'm hoping for, right? Uh, Here's one of the things that I've sort of realized about myself. Oftentimes, my imagination about God and my imagination about his kingdom is basically this. It's like my current life, but more. You know? Uh, My imagination about who Jesus is is like, it's like super people. That's who Jesus, he's a super person, you know? And God's kingdom is like, it's like super earth. Jesus is a superman and his kingdom is a kingdom of more. It's like, it's, like a, it's like America with a really good economy and then more. You know? Uh, the good life is my current life with no problems and then more. Uh, my current life with more money and more influence. And we just go, that's what, like, well, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is like a, a person but he's more, he's like Superman, you know? And then, and then his kingdom is like, it's like America to the max. That's what, you know, like when everything is really good, that's, that's what it's like. And one of the things I've sort of realized maybe this week is all of this kind of thinking is, it's really evidence that what I need is a better imagination. Because here's what Isaiah prophesies. He prophesies that in the midst of being ruled by other people, that hope would be born, that it would be a baby in a manger.
Here's what actually happened. When Israel was ruled by Rome and darkness abounded, a light broke through that darkness, and it was not a king on a war horse with shiny armor rallying the troops. That's what we sang this morning. That's the reason John Mark's words will be sung for decades going forward. Uh, when, when, when Israel needed something more, it was not a king on a war horse. And when God's people were at the end of the rope, uh, they didn't win the lottery. You know, It wasn't instantaneous deliverance from their enemies. What was it? It was Jesus as a baby, helpless in his mother's arms. Uh, sometimes hope comes small and tender. That's one of the things we have to sort of catch on to this week and maybe in the weeks to come. Sometimes what God is doing comes small and tender. Sometimes the work of God is not flashy or super, and it doesn't fit into the category of more. Sometimes it's infant. Sometimes it's tiny, and sometimes it's weak. Um, right when Israel needed strength, God was born weak. And right when Israel needed a captain, Jesus came crying. I hope you have room for that in your theology. You know? Right when we needed this one thing, God shows up in another way. Even now, it's very possible that God is working in your midst. Like, even now, God is probably up to something in your life. Uh, even now, God is probably uh, present and, and active. And if our expectations are of a kingdom of more, like American more, or if our expectation is to be delivered by the God who rides a war horse with shiny armor and rallies the troops, well, you might miss it because he was born a tiny baby in his mother's arms with the animals in a manger. You know? Um, the first thing I need you to know about the kingdom of God, at least as Isaiah presents it, is that it is oftentimes showing up tiny, like a little, little baby. And oftentimes, it looks really weak at the beginning. And so God might be working in your life, and it might be tiny, or it might be fragile, and neither of those negate the fact that it could be really God at work in your life. So if you're needing hope this morning, or if you're needing the kingdom of God, well, don't overlook it by assuming it's automatically this overpowering, big, and super obvious thing. Might not be. That's why the Isaiah prophecy is so wonderful and it's so confounding. He says, for a child is born to us. Read for that, not a general and not a billionaire. Right? And then he says this next line, a son is given to us. And if you think about that for a moment, um, that's a very interesting thing to say. Here's part of what that means. It means that the kingdom of God is often that thing that is given to us. But how many of you understand that if you are given a baby, that you really just got a job? <laughs> yeah. It's actually very important. So the first thing I want to tell you is that Isaiah says that a son 
is given to us. He says a child is born to us. So a child is born small, tender. Second, he says a son is given to us. And how many of you know that in this idea of a son being given to us, there's some sort of um, connection there between like uh, participation, interaction, and entering into whatever it is that God is doing. Because if somebody gives you a baby, what you really got was not just something that's cute. You got a really big job, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, it, it, it means that hope might require something of us that we didn't realize it was going to require of us, right? Uh, hope might require some sweat from us. Uh, hope might require something from us that we didn't know we could give. Uh, hope might require from us... Um, to, to get into the story in a way that we didn't know we were going to get into the story. See, sometimes when we think about God's kingdom, like God's rule, his reign, it shows up. We just think, oh, it's just the get-out-of-jail-free card, right? And yeah, it is. But how many of you know that oftentimes this get-out-of-jail-free card, it comes in this package that actually requires us to participate in the thing that he's doing, right? Yeah. That's what it means for a son to be given. Hope is something we partner with. And then he says, the government will rest upon his shoulders. Even now, the kingdom of God, it started initially by resting on a baby. And I want you to understand that even when Jesus was a brand newborn baby, when Jesus was three minutes old, nursing at his mother's breast, uh, even then, he was the king the moment that he was born. This is why in the stories that we read in the Gospels, the heavens declare it, right? Heaven shows up the moment that Jesus is born and sings this story about his kingship. And then it's why the story goes on to say that these foreign kings, these wise men, basically they're just astrologers, uh, foreign occultics, astrologer king people show up and they bring gifts and they bow down to Jesus. Why do they bow down to Jesus? Because even when he was a baby, he was the king, right? What does that mean for us? Well, it means that the kingdom of God, it means that the government of God, uh, it's not ruled by the brash and it's not ruled by the mighty and it's not ruled by the well-armed. It's actually something really, really different. It's tender. This is why expectations are always so important. You know, because sometimes we think, well, it's going to be this way. And one of the things that the Christmas story shows us uh, about God, about Jesus, about the life of the kingdom, and then even about things that are very specific, things like hope and peace and love and joy and adoration. It shows us that they're oftentimes moving in the exact opposite way that they thought we were, they were going to move. You know? Yeah. Think about your life, like even now, right? Like the dark place, uh, there's probably a light shining in the dark place. It's probably really tender. It's probably really small, and you'll probably have to partner with it. And... and and, um, and even if you do, it doesn't mean that it's less the kingdom of God, you know? Uh, the people who rule, the government will be upon his shoulders. How, how does the kingdom express its authority? Uh, with tenderness and weakness and meekness and humility and service, you know? That's how it comes. Uh, all the kingdoms of the earth, they come with force and coercion and uh, strength and swords and armies and guns, right? And Jesus shows up and he's tender and mild. And so God, like, how is he working even now? How could you, how could you see your life shift from despair to hope? Uh, well, probably partnering with these really small things that seem to be so insignificant. And it's probably with partnering with, uh, with the king of that kingdom who is not just 
tender and mild when he was born, but was uh, preaching when he was 33 years old that you should love your enemies and you, for, you should forgive those who curse you and treat you poorly. You know? Like, uh, if, if, if our hope can't partner with that message, it still yet isn't Christian hope. You know? Uh, it still isn't the thing that Jesus came to bring. So what should we do uh, in these weeks and the weeks going forward? We should put our hope in the small, uh, the tender, and the common, knowing that it grows, just like the baby Jesus, you know? We should put our hope in these things that seem so, so insignificant. Amen? Amen. Dude, I am done early today. Yeah, here's what I want to do this morning. Why don't you stand up? Uh, we want to pray this morning. And if you're on ministry team, please come forward. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.